And I told her this is an encouraging message. So that gave her great peace. And it is an encouraging message. But it's an encouraging message in light of the world we're living in. Um, We are in a revolution, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, A revolution um, against cultural norms. A revolution in politics. And a revolution in spiritual things. Mainly a revolution against truth. And I want to talk about truth this morning. Uh, I'm going to have a whole lot of scripture. They're not going to be up here. Uh, If you have a Bible, I'll give you time to turn there for most of them. Um, I don't think you can read too much scripture in corporate worship. I don't think we do that enough, perhaps. But let me prime the pump by just uh, giving you a brief excerpt from Isaiah 59. Verses 14 and 15. And this is um, what translation is this? I think this is the new living here it says our courts oppose the righteous and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. Wow. Isaiah wrote that quite a while back. Isaiah 59, verses 14 and 15. Another translation at the end of that uh, where it says, Truth is gone and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. Another translation says, Anyone who, who stands for truth becomes a prey. And we see that happening, don't we? This applied in Isaiah's time to the situation in Israel and It certainly applies in our time right now. This is not a time, I don't believe, for typical encouragement or soft messages. My brothers and sisters, I don't think we realize yet where we are. I don't know that I fully, I know I don't fully realize the times that I'm living in right now. But it's coming on us fast. And we need to uh, encourage one another. In light of these times, Uh, let's consider this issue of truth. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 18. John 18. To me, this is one of the most amazing encounters that Jesus had in all of his ministry. And this is when he is uh, going through his trials just before he went to the cross. And he's before Pilate. And I'd like to take it up. I want to look at verse, um, start at verse 36. Jesus answered Pilate. He said, listen carefully to this. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. He says that two times. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king for this purpose. Listen carefully. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
That is a profound statement, especially in these times. Jesus was born. He came into this world for a number of reasons. But right here, he is emphasizing he came here to say truth is truth exists. And we know he's in another place. I am the way, the truth, the life. I'm not telling you about truth. I'm not just pointing you to truth. I embody truth. That's an amazing thing in this world we're living in today where people deny more times than not the reality of absolute truth. And that's what Pilate did. His answer to Jesus was, what is truth? So this is an old problem. Mankind and our fallenness have always said, what is truth? And Jesus came here to give us the precious gift of truth. And we're called to proclaim it fearlessly to a world that's full of lies. Amen? Um, Today, we live in a time of rejection of truth. Uh, This affirmation that Jesus made of truth um, incredibly, it's so controversial, isn't it? If you try to claim today that you know of absolute truth, truth that everyone should believe and submit to, you will very likely be considered misguided, at least, immoral, bigot, bigoted, and become a target. Just like Isaiah said, attacked because you're evil if you claim to know truth. That's the world in which we live. It's always been the state in this fallen world. Jesus came into it with this incredible testimony. I am the truth. I learned a new word. I shared it with some of you this past week. It's a cool word. Veritophobia. Veritophobia. And you know that phobia means fear of. And this word, well, let me read you. uh, This is from the Urban Dictionary. Uh, Have you ever heard of that one? I always thought that was just, uh, uh, what's that famous dictionary? Webster, yeah, Webster. But no, there's an Urban Dictionary, maybe because this is a, a new kind of word that's coming into use. And it's a great one. Listen to this. Veritophobia. Number one, displaying hesitation or refusal to admit or recognize that something is true. Or accept the concept of truth itself. Usually born out of a fear of offending someone. Or being held accountable to something constant. Number two, a dismissal of the existence of absolutes. Number three, degradation of people who profess something as true or untrue. And finally, being willfully in denial gives rise to constant skepticism and doubt of everything. Is that not the world we're living in? We are living in a veritophobic world, particularly a veritophobic veritophobic country. Everything is questioned. Nothing is absolute. 
in these strange times, not knowing is in fashion and considered wisdom, ironically. Those who claim to have absolute truth will not only be, excuse me, will not be tolerated and will be canceled. Amen. Now, you and I are here this morning because we claim to be indwelt by the spirit of truth. Indwelt by the living God, the spirit of Jesus Christ, who is the truth. And our call is to walk in this world proclaiming the truth of who he is and all that he teaches. Go and make disciples. Amen. (laughs) Teaching them to obey truth. I was shocked, you know, you're with me, I know, hopefully you don't watch too much news, but we're bombarded now, everybody's got cell phones, so we see video after video after video, we turn on the news, we see these things, I, 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 I know you're probably aware of the Orlando Magic basketball player, uh, and we know what's going on in sports, but uh, this picture of all the team down on their knee and this one man standing there with his hand on his heart. And when asked, why didn't you bow the knee with everybody else? What did he say? Do you know what he said? I'm a Christian and I only bow my knee to Jesus Christ. What a guy. Sadly, and he's the star of the Orlando Magic. I, center, I don't know basketball well at all. But he was having an awesome game. And just before the end of the game, he blew his knee out. And, of course, the ridicule he got online was ruthless, not only because he claimed to be a Christian and wouldn't bow his knee, but uh, statements were made. Well, there you go. Now you're going to have to bow your knee. This is, uh, you know, karma or whatever. Also, in Washington, D.C., a few days ago, as a mob walked down the street and went into various restaurants, going to the restaurant with their fist in the air and demand that everyone in that place lift their fist in the air in solidarity with whatever it is we're supposed to agree to. And anyone who didn't, in this video, this, this woman sitting at a table in this restaurant, she wouldn't do it. And they got around her in her face with all their slogans yelling at her. And what I heard in this video, this one woman comes up and says, are you a Christian? Just with this, are you a Christian? Because she wouldn't do it. They went down the street. I don't know if it's the same people, whatever. But there's a couple sitting at a table, the same thing. They wouldn't lift their fist. And I listened carefully, and and this, this lady, same thing. Different lady. Are you a Christian? To me, that's telling of where things are going. Because we don't bow the knee to the narratives of this world. We don't lift our fist to the false narratives of this world, we lift our hands to the true and living God and we bow our knee to him and him only. Jesus gives us counsel for these kinds of times. And I would like you to look in the Gospel of Matthew, 
in chapter 10. Now, I'm going to read a long passage here. Actually, I'm going to cut it short a little bit. But if you if you in my Bible, right in front of verse 16, it's got a heading and the heading says persecution will come. But I'm going to take it up at verse 24. And I'm going to read to the end or down to verse. I just had cataract surgery. My eyes are not working great, especially in this light. I think to verse 39. Listen carefully to Jesus's counsel to us. A disciple is not above his teacher. Nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign? Thank you. That's helpful. Oh, very helpful. How much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be, be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Oh, leave it to the scriptures to really knock us upside the head, huh? Um. It's so easy to preach the smooth verses, the easy verses. But this is the word of Jesus Christ to us, his disciples, who find themselves living in seasons of persecution. Now, I want to just go back and uh, and point out three times in what I just read. He says, don't be afraid. That's the goal of this. This exhortation, don't be afraid. When you find yourselves in these times. It's the main point of this passage. So what is it we're not to be afraid of? 
Verses 27 through 28. Let's read that again. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what, I, what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body that cannot kill the soul. Main point here, what we're not supposed to be afraid of, uh, Jesus t- is telling us, is fear of speaking clearly in the light and openly from the housetops. Those things that are, that are true, that will get us in trouble and even may cost us our lives. That's what he's telling us. So, then he, in this passage, he gives us some reasons not to be afraid. And I'm just going to look at these quickly. Verse 24 through 26. The disciples are not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant, servant like his master. They have called the master of the house of Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household, which would be us. We should not be surprised at the names Christians are called or the attitudes Christians are starting to have to endure from this culture and the world around us. We shouldn't be surprised. Um, They did it to our king. Did they not? Uh, It means when we are pushed back against because of our faith, because we fearlessly proclaim truth, it means that we have a common experience with our Savior. That's not a bad thing. Amen. I I was reminded in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12, Jesus said, and this is amazing, blessed are you. Blessed means what? Happy. (laughs) Happy are you when others revile you. And persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Because we're identifying with him. Identifying with truth. Identifying with a bold, unashamed proclamation of light into the darkness. He says, rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, it happened to Jesus. It happened to the prophets before him. Here we are. So his first encouragement is, hey, don't be surprised at this. Rejoice. You're in the line of the saints that have walked on this earth proclaiming truth to darkness. Amen. That's the first encouragement he gives us. The second, um, in verse 26, he says, Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. Jesus is saying, take heart in the cause of truth. Because in the end, all truth will be revealed. And all reality will be uncovered. And those who spoke it clearly and openly will be vindicated. Amen? Our God doesn't lie. If he says, 
my word is truth. I am the truth. And we put our faith in that promise, that reality. We will be vindicated when we stand there because our God cannot lie. Amen. Because he is the truth. Verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's a heavy verse. The worst thing our opponents could ever do to us when we speak truth is kill us. That's the worst thing they can do. All they can do is dispatch our soul to glory. Amen? (laughs) Jesus says, don't be afraid. You win, always, because you're my child. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I think that's already on uh, Tommy Rickard's gravestone, and it's going to be on mine. To live is Christ, to die is gain. So don't be afraid of them, Jesus said. The worst they can do is kill you. So what? Do we have that attitude? It's hard to get, isn't it? Do we believe what Jesus says? By his grace, get my heart there, Lord. Verse 30, another encouragement. What does verse 30 say? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. How is that an encouragement? This is a promise of intimacy. Of Christ with us. No matter what we're going through, the suffering we may experience for proclaiming truth and standing for truth has not been forgotten by God. He is not disinterested in our plight when we suffer. Any kind of suffering, but especially when we're suffering for his sake, because we're standing for truth. He's saying, I am so intimately involved with you. I I know exactly how many hairs are on your head, so don't be afraid. Verse 29 and 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Verse 31. Fear not, therefore. Are you, you are of more value than many sparrows. That's an understatement which the Bible is full of understatement. What's Jesus telling us? He's reminding us that God governs the world right down to the smallest of events. Even a bird falling on the ground. He says, I'm there. I'm Lord over this. I rule over this. Therefore, no harm can come to you but what God allows and therefore wills. This confidence, that kind of confidence in God's nearness and sovereignty has, has been the great courage of saints through the ages who have stood in the truth. A missionary named Henry Martin said, if God has work for me to do, I cannot die. I love that. If God has work for me to do, I cannot die. When he's done with me, I die. But I, well, I'm just dispatched to where I'm supposed to be for eternity. 
Man, isn't salvation awesome? (laughs) So we must not fear man. The most difficult part of this passage, starting at verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Here's the sword. (laughs) What does that mean? I thought he was the prince of peace. Why is he saying here, I did not come to bring peace? Remember what he's talking about. He's talking horizontal right here. He's talking about persecution against his children. He is the prince of peace vertically. He came to bring peace between us and our God, which he did on the cross that we just commemorated. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He came as Prince of Peace. Yes. But he says, I have come to bring uh, not come to bring peace, but a sword. What is the sword he brings? I, I kind of think it comes in two directions. The sword of the world comes against us because we're truth proclaimers. So in that sense, when we stand where we're supposed to stand, it brings a sword, the sword of persecution. But Christ in us brings the sword of the spirit to this world. And what does it say in Ephesians 6 and take up? The sword, which is what? The word of God. Where do we find truth? The word of God. So this is the sword we bring. Put these together, right? This is the sword. This is the only place we find absolute truth. Don't you love the word of God? Everything else, my brothers and sisters, is opinion. Everything else. Coming our way, everything we we read, we, we, we hear on the TV, all these gazillions of opinions that press in against our worldview. Need to be processed through this absolute truth, because this is the only lens, the only filter. That lets us stand where we need to stand. With courage, without fear of man, amen, what a gift the word of God is to us. And it, being the word of truth, is under incredible attack uh, now more than ever. Are you with me? So vertically, he's the Prince of Peace. Horizontally, the message he has called us to proclaim will bring us a sword from the world as we bring the sword of the word of truth to the world. We must not yield to the spirit of this age that draws us into peaceful silence, tries to draw us into a peaceful silence when the truth is being trampled. That's the point of what I'm trying to say here. What I think the Lord's trying to tell us through these passages. Uh, We cannot be silent. The, The devil's pushing us into silence because if we speak out, we get pushed against real hard right now, don't we? And that pushing's only going to get stronger. We have to make a decision. Am I going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and say, I was born, reborn in Christ. (laughs) I am here to proclaim truth. And will we do it faithfully? Will we do it from 
clearly from the housetops, like Jesus said to do. Um, We must not allow ourselves to be pushed into silence for fear of man. To do this, we need this counsel from Jesus, and we also need a very high view of God. Uh, I want to start to land this plane by going back to Isaiah, chapter 40. I've been going through my my habit uh, in my time with the Lord in the morning as I I read in Psalms and Proverbs, and I go through a book. And I've been going through Isaiah, and it's just uh, incredible. (laughs) Just incredible. But in Isaiah... 40, verse 17, it says this. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Oh, go up to 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. That's a great visual, isn't it? You've dumped all the water out of the bucket and you tip it over. There's one little drop left and... There it comes. God says, that's the nations before me. That's China. That's Russia. That's the United States. And every other nation on this globe. God says, in relation to me and who I am, that's what it is. All the nations are nothing before me. They are accounted by me as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then shall you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? What's what's Isaiah calling us to? A very big view of God. These Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, etc., etc., they took these incredible stands for truth. They said things that, that, that were totally contrary to the culture in which they lived. And they could do it with courage and speak the truth because they had this big view of their God. They were totally sold out to a God like this. Come over to verse, uh, what did I want to let? Starting verse 21. Isaiah, in Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. That's what God does. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. I'm reading this because if you're like me, it's so easy for us to get caught up in all this political stuff that's going on. We think we think somehow God could be defeated at the ballot box of the United States election. No. Are you kidding me? We're about something so much bigger than all this. We are about the kingdom of the living God. It's not about. Understand what I'm saying? I'm a patriotic American citizen, but it's not about the U.S. of A. (laughs) It's not about elections and and political parties. We are of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And and all these nations, all these princes and kings and presidents are like a drop in the bucket before God. We don't need to fear what they say, be upset about what they say or what they think they're going to do or not do. Not a sparrow falls to the ground, but by our Father. 
uh, verse 24, scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, these leaders, scarcely has their uh, stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. (laughs) And the tempest carries them off like stubble. That's who these world leaders are before our God. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Who brings them out of out. Uh, who, he who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. That's just a profound statement in it. The stars, we can't even find the end of it all out there. He says, I've got everyone numbered and named. And you're never going to find the end of it because I, an eternal God, created an eternal. It's reflecting my glory. My glory is eternal. Put all the hovels you want out there. You're not going to find the end of it. But I know every one of them, the trillions of them. And I put them there by the greatness, my might. And because he is strong in power, not one of them is missing. Amen. We need a high view of God. So we will not fear man. And finally, turn to Ephesians chapter six. Very familiar passage, but in light of what we've just said, listen to it again. Galatians, Ephesians, chapter six in Ephesians, starting at verse 10. Finally. This is Paul writing from prison. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Did you hear that? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Got to stop there. (laughs) Because we know the truth, because this word is truth, because we read this, we know again, it's not about all this political stuff. It's not about the nations and the rulers. All of this under all of this is warfare that's spiritual. Amen. Under all of it. Satan is after you and I and the truth that we proclaim. All the arguments in politics, all, it's all being weaved together by the devil because he's after us. Amen? It's not about whether it's Republicans or Democrats in power. All that is just the surface. Underneath it all, it's spiritual warfare. And our stand in truth Us representing Christ on this earth is the target of all of it. And that's why it's coming back to, are you a Christian? Is that why you won't bow to the ways of this world and this present darkness? You're canceled. Maybe you're killed. Therefore, verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand in that place of truth in this evil day, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of what? 
Truth. It's the first thing Paul mentions. The belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We are the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That's the vertical. Amen. He is the Prince of Peace. And our gospel brings people separated outside of that peace into that glorious peace with God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, where truth only the only place true truth is found. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. What an important part of our warfare, essential part of our warfare. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. This is why we can't go to sleep right now. This is why we can't have easy messages like we used to have. (laughs) It's time to, to, to put on this armor because things are happening fast. And God is preparing his bride and we have got to be in step with the spirit in these things. Making supplication for all the saints. You know what? I'm falling in love with this church. Uh, the more of you I get to know, the more, the more of you I get to know, the more I'm in fellowship with you, and we're walking together, learning how to become disciples together. I'm just excited about the potential here, what's already happening here, and in our life together. Because the more we move into these days ahead. It's the fellowship of the saints that's going to be vital for our victory in this warfare. And Paul says, and also pray for me that words may be given to me. Listen to this. Words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, just like Jesus said, openly, clearly from the housetops, open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador. That's an important word for us. An ambassador in chains. Paul was suffering as he wrote this. He was already in the persecution as he wrote this. For Paul, this was normal Christian life. For which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. There it is. Oh, What an encouragement. (laughs) It is encouragement for tough times. But would you rather be alive any other time than now? Not that we chose this time for ourselves. Remember what Paul says when he was in Greece. He says, God has determined the times for each of us and the places we should live. God has put us here for this time. I may wish that I was born a generation earlier. No, no, no. This is my time. (laughs) 
And we are going to experience very exciting things in the kingdom of God in the coming days. The last part of this year is going to be incredible. We need to be praying and we need to be unashamed of truth. We must not be silenced. We're here for such a time as this. Amen. Father, thank you for your word that is truth. It is the sword in our hands by which we fight the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil who uses both of those to come against us. Lord, give us the wisdom not to see through fleshly eyes that thinks we're fighting people and politics and governments and our neighbor or our husband or wife. We're, we're, we're in a spiritual war, Lord. Let us walk in the wisdom of that truth and that knowledge and fight with spiritual weapons. Prayer. Your word. With our shield of faith lifted, Lord, so when those lies come at us, they cannot take root in our hearts. Lord, we love you. We thank you that this is our time. Lord, raise up your church around the world to stand in the truth and fight the good fight of faith. Thank you for the Apostle Paul, who at the end of his life said, I have fought the good fight. Lord, we want to all, those of us who are older, finish strong, those of us who are younger, uh, we don't know when the finish is going to be here, but we know you're coming, Lord. And our spirits witness to that fact. And, Lord, we're stirring in our spirits, recognizing the witness of your word, even in these things we read today. So, Father, help us. Fill us fresh, Holy Spirit. Instruct us and teach us in the way we should go and counsel us with your eye upon us, Holy Spirit. And give us courage to stand in the truth. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love one another. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, praise God. We're the church.